We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, I don't need to talk to Tevin people. I don't want to. I don't want to do that. Actually, I'm fine with a conversation at a Super Bowl party if it's about the game. If people want to and talk the about the problem for you is if you go to a party, on. people want to talk to you about other stuff, your show, your career, your fame. No, it's usually just inane conversation. But like, for you, almost any conversation that isn't about like, hey, do you remember who the starting left guard was in the 1975 Super Bowl champions? Hold on, Donnie. He's actually trying to pull that name. Uh, any conversation that doesn't start that way, though, for you is by definition inane. But even then, I want to I want to focus on the game. I want to think what about, about the, the game. what about the pregame coverage? If you're over there before the game oh, starts, yeah. you don't that's mind. Fine. Okay, no, I don't need to watch Jim Brown introduce. Here's, here's uh, the God's honest truth. Uh, you know, Rachel Ray to tell me about the best Jim Chile Brown. You, you mean can, Jim Nance? Jim, no, I, I meant James Brown. James Brown. Okay, yeah. Um, I will not watch a second of the pregames. I'll turn that game on probably when the anthem is being performed and sit in and watch. I won't watch any of the run up, not huh. one ounce of it. I'll have it on the entire time. I don't know how closely I'll be paying attention to it, though. I just, because at that point, I'm trying to get things ready. Like, I will lend a helping hand. Is Amanda having a – are you guys having people Her over? parents are coming over, maybe a neighbor or two. But yeah, we're going to make nachos. I'll help her prepare that. We're going to make pizzas. You'll I'll, help her with that. I'll do, I'll do most of the heavy lifting Who will be that. doting on Stella during this time period? Her parents? Yeah, and us. We'll, we'll share the responsibility of that. I would just think when her parents stop over, at the minute they get there, it's we want to see the baby. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And then you got to make pizza. You got to be, you know. Can you make me a little marinara pizza, a mulsey pie? Why would you want it left over? You can heat that thing up the next day. No, probably not. All right, fair enough. Uh, Jim Colony texted in to congratulate us on being the number one afternoon show in America, as voted on by uh, executives and program directors from around the country. And I said to him, Jim, this reminds me of the time, this time of year reminds me of when you had sex with those twins in New Orleans. And he texted back, haha, I had forgotten about them. I still have no clue what this story's about. When Jim covered the Patriots and they lost to the 85 Bears, yeah. his radio station in Boston sent him down to New Orleans to cover that game, to be there for Super Bowl week. Yeah. And he stayed with Hot Twins. And use your imagination on what happened next. I think nothing. This is pre-Linda, uh, I think. It definitely isn't pre-Linda. Yeah, it is. Definitely is. Yeah, it definitely Are is. Are you sure you got the right Super Bowl here? Yeah. Yeah. January of 1986, 38 think, years ago. They haven't been married that long. Jim's not that old. I think they were together, though. But she's okay with it because I brought up the twin story around her, and he's, he's talked about it on the air. He has? Yeah. This right. isn't like some secret. I think you just might have your dates wrong then, that's all. What other Patriots Super Bowl would he have covered? Are you sure it was that, though? He was down in New Orleans. It happened in New Orleans. That's where the Patriots played the, played the Bears. What if he was the inspiration for those Coors Light and twins? Fantastic the commercials. Yeah, it was. The thing about the commercials in the Super Bowl that's been completely ruined mm -hmm. is that they, they all leak. get put out now they before leak. the Super Bowl. So you lose the 
I'm very cynical about it now. It's just like the gut to, reaction to the commercial. There, there used was... to be some charm to it, and now it's just like a bunch of ad agencies and who can be the most clever. And there'll be like two or three good ones, and then there's going to be like 15 of them that people insist are funny, but they're not. I can't even like for example, you know what you're never going to get again. Is there ever going to be a commercial like the Budweiser Frogs that just ca- or like the what? The- they need There's to bring that one that. back. They, need, they can bring it back with like FaceTime or something. But Donnie, here, Donnie, here's all the all those problem. guys are dead. Donnie, let's be honest. What are you talking about? So. They were like they're thirty. Not like, they're not like dogs in a movie from 1995. They're not Air Bud. They were po- single guys drinking every night and calling their buddies. I don't think that they're doing great right now. Unbelievable the jumps and leaps you're making here. The bottom line is, even if you did that commercial today, it would just be lost in the tides here of of cultural overload we get all the uh, time. Ah, yes. Well, your phone beams whatever the hell you want to, to your face all the time. If I sound like so a man... Your, p- your point is none of the commercials cut through They anymore. don't stick, yeah. There's no, like, 1984 Apple commercial or anything I can like go that. And, like, I can go fire up YouTube on my phone and watch it and then forget about it. James Harrison involved in one of the most iconic plays in Steelers' Super Bowl history. Uh, he was on Radio Row talking to Pat McAfee, and he ripped the current state of the Steelers. Donnie has that clip. Let's listen to it. The expectations has become we don't want to have a losing season. You know, I'm, I'm not, you know, throwing salt or, or you know, flayed at, flack at anybody, but the Pittsburgh Steelers standard is to win Lombardis. When you go into that building, it's six of them sitting there. Right now, we're not even winning a playoff game. Man. Yeah, yeah, I don't think we've won a playoff game since 2016. I think we need to get back to what the the, the standard of you know a Pittsburgh Steeler legacy, the the lore, you know, is. I don't think that they really are doing that. I think that they still think we're going to make prudent moves. We're going to make an offensive coordinator change. We're going to stay the course. We're going to uh, add with the draft. We're going to make a shrewd free agent move or two and just try to steady Eddie, go from 10 wins, maybe do 11, and maybe win a playoff game. Like the, the Rooney urgency thing, just because he said it doesn't mean – Actions speak louder than exactly. words. I and mean, that's my bottom line. Harrison, you know, I could be – I could try to undercut him if I wanted and say, is he the best narrator here because his very final time here was pockmarked by him falling asleep in meetings and, and being a malcontent because he was mad and felt like he had been misled. But that guy is somebody who can say it credibly – because he was an ass kicker on teams that won big and won multiple Super Bowls. In the second of those two Super Bowls, he was the central cog in many ways. Both not a good during... look for Tomlin that somebody like that would right. come out it, and say these yeah, things. It's, it's just, it's not some, honestly, man, even if A.B. said some of these things, you'd be like, you'd roll your eyes and say he was only around at the start of it when they were still, like, getting to Super Bowls. James Harrison is a tether to a very different era of football. He stood in there next to the Aaron Smiths and Brett Kiesels and James Farriers of the world, and they all respected and, and kind of feared him for the badass that he was. So I, I think he's right, and I would agree that if I'm if I'm the organization, the head coach or the owner, his words should cut deeper than most. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Our next guest spent years on ESPN and was a part of one of the great shows, football shows of all time, NFL matchup with Ron Jaworski. Played for the Steelers. Uh, and I believe does some big game hunting with Ben Roethlisberger from really? time to time. Yeah. Maybe the big game is an exaggeration, but I don't think the hunting part is. He's been on football and with Ben Roethlisberger and Spence. He's watched games down there in that Roethlisberger How about basement. finding out that Spence is the glue that holds it all together in Ben's own words? Talking, mm-hmm. of course, about Merrill Hodge, Steelers analyst. Merrill, do I have that right about you and Ben? You guys go hunting together still? Oh, yeah. It is a passion that we both have. Actually, I turned him on to bow hunting, though. I got to – I got to – and he uh, and he has taken that passion and run with it. So – but we'd like to go on – we on an elk hunting trip. We're going to try to do a whitetail on another elk hunting trip. And those are in the – on the foreseen horizon, boys. Any other former Steelers get in the mix with you guys? Um, well, I hunt with Bubby. Bub, I hunt with Bubby. I hunt with Bubby Brister for – for years, uh, in fact, he had like five thousand acres that he had down in um, Louisiana. And I'd never hunted Louisiana before. I could not believe how big the whitetails were down there. I was blown away. But I hunted Bob too. So any gators uh, on the uh, the hunt down and they there? They had those Maryland? wild boars uh, down I, there too, Merrill. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now Eric Ball. I don't know if you remember Eric Ball. Eric Ball. He. Yeah, I know um, the name. Yeah, so you, you got drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals. We played together, we, but we've been good friends for a long time. He still works for the Cincinnati Bengals. He and I have been on a lot of hunts. One of them was a boar hunt, and it turned into the three little pigs because that's all I saw were three little pigs when I was hunting. I'm like, and they were running right by me. Like, they, I don't know where. I'm like, Eric, what? I got came boar hunting, and I, all I saw was three little pigs. But, by the way, we're so fast, we, nobody can get a shot at them. Well, Merrill, let's, uh, you're, you're at the Super Bowl, so it's only fitting that we ask you a question about something you said during the football season about the Steelers. So I, don't, I hope I'm not misquoting you here. If I am, you can obviously correct me. But I think you might have said of George Pickens, you don't win Super Bowls with guys like that. Do you still feel that way? Well, so you, got to, you win with, yeah, here's what you, you don't win with. You can't have people that are all about themselves. And you don't, you've got to have guys that know how to play pro football. And you've got to have guys that take their craft serious and develop. And George Pickens has enormous talent. But George Pickens has not developed into a pro. Um, and if he ever does develop into a pro, then you can win with that. But you can't, you can't play with guys that are about themselves. When things go bad, they start pointing fingers, casting blame, and making excuses. Um, you need people that are going to respond in critical times by taking ownership and being professional people in how you go about your own craft. Um, now he's a young kid, so I'm, I'm not saying he's going to—he's not—he can't get there. But with the what what you see, how he the things he does today, you can't win with. You're never going to win with. You know, you're not going to win a championship. You win games. But that's not what we're in the business for. You're in the business to win a championship. Now, if he evolves into a pro, which clearly can happen, you know, I've seen a lot of players, you know, just like George Pickens. Now, the majority never get it until it's too late. But the ones that do, you know, evolve into 
great football players, great pros, and they help you win championships. And he clearly could do that, but that's on him. I mean, clearly, the majority of it's on him. Merrill, on that vein, the one thing that we noticed here watching Pickens is late in the season when Mason Rudolph had a couple of games where he was putting it together a little bit and getting the ball down the field, you know, we were all kind of watching Pickens closely, and he just seemed, and Andrew can disagree with me if he wants here, but he seemed like yep. he was being a much better teammate, holding on to blocks in that Ravens game in the rain. He didn't even get a target in the passing game, and there was no, no blow-up, no nothing, consummate pro. So when you see uh, or hear me say that, that when the guy was getting the ball more, that the, the kind of attitude seemed to improve notably, what does that tell you? Does that give you almost more hope that maybe it is just a young guy? Like, how would you respond to that when he was getting the ball – there was no problems on the field. Yeah. Okay, you just, you, you, you've you talked about what I call evidence, okay? Evidence he's going in the right direction. You know, he's still a young kid. There are a lot of things that um, that take place in the development of really being a good pro. Now, sometimes it just takes some players longer than others. And oftentimes, the more gifted ones, it can be the hard, it can take them a lot hard, take take them longer or they never get it just because they are so talented and they don't realize talent alone is not going to help you win a championship or make you great. You have to harness and develop that and make what weaknesses you do have, because everybody has them, make them eventual strengths. And um, I think the evidence, once they started to play, had a little more structure with their offense, a little more success. Um, George Pickens gave more evidence that he had the ability to develop into a good pro than to not. Merrill Hodge with us right now, live at the Super Bowl. He's got a great thing he's got going on that he's going to tell you about in a second here. But I, I got to ask you, Merrill, what you would do at quarterback if you were with the Steelers. If you were still over there with their scouts and everything else and they picked your brain and said, Merrill, what should we do at the quarterback position, what would you tell them? Well, I would tell them, let's trust the evidence, okay? You got a first-round draft pick that actually the best thing that probably happened to Kenny was that he was removed. I don't like to see anybody get hurt, but that's what caused him – you know, have to sit down. And I think that was the best thing for him because he was playing way too fast. He wasn't even letting things develop. He was way outside his rhythm and characteristics and skill set that he had coming out of college. So that was eroding. And I've always said you can ruin players mentally way before you ruin them physically in our league if that continues. So his removal actually I think was a plus for him. Then for him to see how Mason actually played and how Mason played what was impressive is how he played from the pocket and his pocket presence and his poise and how he played, how he threw from the pocket, how he processed things, his accuracy. Um, he had made, you know, for not playing for two years, he really evolved um, in how you must play in our league in order to, in order to be extremely successful. Um, and he, he put that on display. So quite honestly, I think you have enough from both from both um, from both players that you got to let them compete. I just don't think that there's um, there's enough evidence that either one of them are just the anointed starter. I think that both it's so many good things that you let them compete. And in a fair competition, you know, it's going to be the best. You're, a, you're going to get the best quarterback, and you get the best out of both guys. Merrill, do you think you can have, like, I guess how would it, how could it, affect the locker room if Mason Rudolph does sign back here because he is a free agent and they go in with a real competition like we've talked about this on the show many times some of the players seem to, to say like hey Deontay Johnson straight up came out and said I hope Mason kind of gets the job and, and wins the job I liked playing with him 
what kind of risk does that pose to your locker room if you have those two guys go in and compete next year for the job? Well, that's, that's exactly what I would stop right away. That's why I'd have a team meeting, and I would establish who's, who's in charge of this, and you're not in charge, okay? Players are not in charge of this. You're in charge of competing and earning your own job. Deontay, you need to work on being better, a better pro and winning your job and being the best at your position. And don't tell don't, – don't predict how, how, how a coach, the head coach, should be going about his business and how he should orchestrate who's going to um, compete or not compete at a position. Because honestly, you should always be in a feeling of competition. Um, I, like I never went – I never played. And I was not a – in other words, my rookie year, I clearly was in a, a fog of unknown because I was probably 10th on the depth chart and I had to whittle my way to becoming part of the roster, and I ended up being our third down back. But the next year I became the starter. And then every year after that, it wasn't that I wasn't worried about it. I did everything I could as a pro and in my craft and my profession that nobody was going to beat me out. And that's how you have to – and that's the culture that you have to establish on your team. You can't just say, oh, you're going to be our starter. It's irrelevant to how you produce or how you prepare. You're going to be our starter. That's not how this – not how this environment works to be a champion. So I'd establish, hey, what we're going to do. And if it's going to be a competition, I'd establish that and that we will let the players decide because they're the ones competing. And that we'll make the final assessment and the team won't do that. So you got your own job to worry about. Merrill, tell us what you're doing at the Super Bowl, buddy. Well, we're doing a variety of things, but one of the things that I'm here promoting, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I've always been passionate about health and fitness. It is probably my number one passion. I, that started even before football. And um, uh, I had open heart surgery, and in order to leave the hospital, I had to get my respiratory system back. My lungs got to get cleared. I had to get um, everything back to strength before I could leave the hospital. Well, this thing comes across my plate called a called breather fit. It almost looks like uh, a pipe. It's not very big, but it helps strengthen your breathing system, um, your respiratory system. And I, as soon as I heard that, I'm like, wait a minute. I, I decided if you do cardio and you train and you train your heart, you're training all of that. Well, technically that's true, but I didn't know your respiratory system actually is a separate system and can be trained and isolated by doing something other than cardio. So you, if you're doing cardio, this would only help build on it. If you're not doing any cardio, this ought to concern everybody who's age, over age 30. Once you get to 30 years of age, you slowly start to, your respiratory system starts to, to erode. So that means you get less oxygen into your body, less oxygen to your brain. And when you think about some of the brain issues or cognitive issues that exist in life, really a lot of them are from inactivity, poor oxygen, sugar consumption, and inactivity, and poor blood flow. You know, those are the things that slowly erode our body and slowly erode our brain. So what I wanted to do is put it to the test, and I did this on accident, but I went on a trip. I had to go to Pebble Beach. I had a couple of events in Arizona, and so I worked out, but I didn't do any cardio for two weeks, but I did my breather fit. I took it with me, and it's five minutes, two times a day. I get home, and I now incorporate my cardio, and, I, and my breathing system, like I was breathing. If you haven't taken, if, if you've done cardio, then you take two weeks off. You know, you can just feel like, oh, I'm a little rusty. I got to get back into the flow of things. Well, I had no problems with my breathing aspect. I could tell that my heart had had two weeks off, but it took a couple weeks to get that back into flow with my breathing system. So my, my point was it does help the breathing system. So if you're doing no cardio or nothing, it's a great way to start. 
to get some of your respiratory and your breathing and better airflow into your body. And here's the, here's the worst thing that can happen to you. You breathe better, you have more oxygen, you're happier, you're healthier, and that's the worst thing that can happen to you in your life. And it takes five minutes, two times a day, for six, six days a week, take a day off, and maybe it'll spark a little more investment in your overall health and help you start feeling better. So um, I just thought there was great value in it. Um, I'd experienced it in a lot of different ways, and I put it to the test. And, and it'd be a, a great way for people to reinvest in their health if they're not doing that right now and turn back the clock. And then go to breatherfit.com if they're interested and learn more. Merrill Hodge, former Steeler. Uh, Merrill, don't be a stranger. We'll talk to you again sometime soon, okay, buddy? You guys are best. Thanks, guys. All right, it is time for the Donnie Football Debrief, the biggest football story of the day. Breaking news, and this one from our guy, Donnie Football. The Debrief, February 8, 2024. Actually, two pieces of breaking news. It looks like within about 10 minutes of each other. Uh, the first one from Jeremy Fowler, our pal at ESPN. Uh, he says that Jets assistant coach Zach Azani is expected to join the Steelers as the wide receivers coach. Uh, he worked with the Jets and then five seasons with the Broncos before that. This next one from Aaron Wilson. Steelers expected to hire Chargers assistant Tom Arth per sources for the pass game coordinator position. All right, let's start with the first one. There's a third one. Mike Sullivan will be retained as quarterback's okay. coach. That is a big one. Uh, and that one, I don't even remember who I just saw send that out there, but it was another one of the insiders. All right, so that makes me think that they've completed their offensive coaching staff. What do we make of it now that it's been made over? Uh, I think the thing I like the best about it, very first, two thoughts. One, I still just, I hate to do this because everyone says what a nice guy he is. I don't know him. It's going to sound like I'm destroying him personally, but if you are in clear need of an upgrade in performance from your quarterback, I just don't believe it makes sense to bring back your quarterback coach unless there is a tacit acknowledgement there that it's not his fault that Kenny Pickett didn't progress this year, in which case that is quite the indictment of Kenny Pickett. That's one thought. Uh, otherwise, they're making a mistake to bring Sullivan back. Second thought is I am glad they're bringing somebody in who ha who is a pass game coordinator. I'm, I'm glad Arthur is apparently coming in to do a job that they've never had somebody do within their offense because I guess the big criticisms of Arthur Smith's passing attack specifically were was that it wasn't particularly novel, uh, that he didn't spread out opposing teams. Arth liked to do that, even though I didn't exactly hear rave reviews from his work with the Chargers. He at least liked to spread out and had good route trees for the running backs. You know who I think Tom Arth might benefit more than anyone else? Jalen Warren in the passing game. Because who does Jalen Warren remind you of? Austin Eckler. And what does Austin Eckler do in, in L.A.? Catches the ball a ton and scores a lot of touchdowns. Mm -hmm. That's my, my big takeaways here. Well, the Sullivan thing just seems like a stale decision. I think Mike probably did a better job as a play caller than he did quarterbacks coach. And when he got that job late in the year, Mason Rudolph was comfortable in it. And I think because he did so well, they felt like they were going to – they needed to reward him with something. I mean, I just – nothing about – the way Kenny Pickett performed this year. We just heard Merrill say that he had regressed, that like all of the goodwill that he had built up in his first year, he gave back last year. Well, that was under Sullivan's tutelage. Now, he reported to Canada, obviously, and that ultimately he was the guy that 
had the most say in Kenny's performance, but I would have looked to go uh, for a fresh start there. I agree with a lot of what you said about Arth. I'm happy that they just created a position. The Steelers have for years had one of the smallest coaching staffs in the league. So it's an extra brain. I don't know how big it is, but at least it's somebody else that is going to help you uh, at a place where you're very weak right now, which is your passing game. And then the wide receivers coach, man, I just had my heart on Hines. And this guy was only with the Jets for one year. Before that, he was in Denver. He's followed Nathaniel Hackett around. That doesn't exactly give me warm and fuzzy feelings. No. For a long time, was a college coach. I mean, this guy is about you know as who anonymous he with as in, it gets. Do you, did you say who he worked with in college? I see Josh Carney. A.B. Mm-hmm. 07 to 09. He was on the Central Michigan coaching staff. Mr. Big Chest himself. Maybe a room for A.B. to come back as an assistant wide receivers coach? Actually, who am I kidding? If A.B. came back, I'd say suit up and here's your 84 back. Would their games air on CT ESPN? He created that Twitter feed, apparently. <laughs> he created a Twitter feed that's, hold on, i got to see this. At CT ESPN. And I feel like every day he tweets a picture of him hugging Ben at the Pro Bowl from back in the day. I think you're it right. It says this is my favorite Ritz cracker or something like that. The dude, I, I can't even. He has his latest tweet is two hours ago. It says y'all coming hashtag CTESPN, and it's a picture of him on the road with what looks like a bunch of blue tickets. I can't tell if they're traffic tickets, and it just says it's one of those banners across like a four lane highway that says Cracker Fair. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.